Blog Talk Radio. See, it comes back to me, and one, as usual, it does, the damn thing doesn't work. How long have we been hosting <laughs> this show for? Five seven years. Seven years, my years, friend. Seven years. Twelve years. Seven years. Ah, jeez. I just got my seven-year anniversary on, on Wednesday. Oh, here we go. So glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. Behind the glass, there's a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. And next week, well, ladies show. and gentlemen, Seth will know how to turn it on at the very beginning instead of 30 I, seconds. It took about 30 seconds to load. Shoot me. <laughs> um, well, seven years. Hey, that's as long, according to LinkedIn, that's a, I've, we've been hosting this radio show as long as I've had my company. Yeah, that's about right. That's terrifying. If, if not longer. Quite frankly, I think it, I think it's I, look. I've been in New York. I think we started this when I came to New York. So if that's the case, then that would be no. It had to be before we came to New York. I don't know. It, it's either seven or eight years. In in we started in September, so it's either seven or eight years. But ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. I don't know what iteration this is, but it's somewhere around number three hundred. So here you are, three hundred episodes later. And Seth and Sean Sports Radio back on from a very frigid New York today. I'm going outside to meet somebody in about 45 minutes. Seth's going to handle the last five to six minutes of the show by himself. But man, I'm not I'm not looking forward to that at all. She better be cute. She is. She is. She's a <laughs> doctor. A doctor. Oh, your mother would be so proud of you. Doctor, 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 doctor. Yes, see, doctor. See, so, see it, in my world, it doesn't work that way. My my wife was supposed to marry an attorney. She failed. Failed. So, ladies and, I, ladies and gentlemen, if you know what movie that that line was from, we will give the answer at seven at seven thirty, at four o'clock, because I'm not sure Seth knows where it's from. So we will give it at 4 o'clock. If you'd like to call in, 760-283-0846. We have three things on the agenda for today. Number one, the recap of yesterday's – I don't even know how you can describe yesterday's games, but the NFL games from yesterday. That's number one. Number two, we will go through the Baseball Hall of Fame balloting as the announcement will be made tomorrow. And the reason I know this is because normally when we had the show on Tuesdays, it was happening right after the show. But here we are. Nope, not after the show, actually. Well, after the show, but a day after the show. And then, last but not least, our promised midseason basketball, college basketball preview, or preview, recap, whatever you want to call it, going into the major time of basketball, which is February. And next week, we will have our Super Bowl preview. We will not be talking about the Super Bowl at all today because it just makes me sick to even think about it. But yesterday's games, Seth, the, the refing that takes place, and I understand that 
umpires make mistakes, refs make mistakes, linesmen make mistakes. All these people, it's all subject to their own discretion and, and sight. I get that. And there are certain things that can't be reviewed and certain things that can be reviewed. But yesterday it was disgraceful. It was as bad as I've ever seen. It was pretty ugly. Um, the non-call against Tom, uh, Tommy Lee Lewis, which I guess is a combination of Tommy Lee Jones and Jerry Lee Lewis, um, well, is about the, just, about, just about the worst non-call I've ever seen concerning the situation. And, and anyone wants to call in and discuss and vent uh, 760-283-0846, it's just really bad. It was, I mean, that was an awful call. The unnecessary roughness against Tom Brady by Chris Jones. My God, when I played third grade football outside Lafayette, we got hit harder than that. Um, well, let's understand. There were a couple of calls. So we have the Jones call. I mean, there are a couple in the Saints, and then we can get on to the to the new to those guys up in Boston. But this, so let's talk about the Saints and Eagles game. Uh, sorry, not Saints and Saints and Rams game. Excuse me, I'm in last week. Saints and Rams. So you have the non-call on Tommy Lee, well, Tommy Lee Lewis. You have the non-call on uh, that happened to Ted Ginn. That happened earlier on, a, on, a, on an absolute hold, a defensive hold. Now, my question to you, Seth, is how do you solve this problem? How do you propose solving this problem? Because I've heard many things. I've heard the Belichick rule, which he has been proposing for years, which if you don't name it, I will tell you what it is. But I'm not sure that that solves the problem. So how do you foresee solving this problem? What is the Belichick rule? Actually, I don't know this. Okay, so the, so the Belichick rule is you still get three challenges, but you can challenge anything. You can challenge a hold. You can challenge a penalty. You can challenge a non-penalty. You can challenge a fumble. You can, anything that happens on the field, you can challenge. But you still get the same amount of challenges. So that's the Belichick rule. So that may mean that a – coach keeps a challenge in his pocket till later, right? He doesn't challenge it so earlier in the game, so early in the game, because now there are many more things you can challenge. And Sean Payton, well, I don't think it solves the problem. That's where, that's where I'm coming to. So how do you believe it solves the problem? How do you believe the NFL, besides the hiring of Dean Blandino, which I don't, again, doesn't solve the problem of a no call, this, well, again, remember, you're this, trying to this, solve the problem of a no-call. How do you solve is, the problem this, of a no-call? The problem is these are all reactive, not being proactive. I mean, the only legitimate way to do it, and I really don't want to go to this, except maybe you do it for playoff games, is have the booth, if there is an unequivocal penalty that is missed, to have the booth be able to 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 pretty much, I don't want to say overrule the referee, you know, have the, have, but have the booth kind of contact the referee to say pretty much, and, and make a quick judgment off of that. There is no other way. People miss calls. So the yep. only way to avoid, On every to avoid a... Yes. So the only way to skip, to avoid a missed call, again, we're not talking about every... I'm not talking about holding calls. Uh, I'm not talking about offensive line holding. 
where there's 27 people in a scrum and someone grabs someone's whatever. But on a something like that, where it's just blatant, and again, and even this is a gray area. I don't yep. think you can fix this, is the reality. Right. Um, because then it becomes arbitrary. Well, there was a hole in the tight end. Well, that wasn't blatant enough, or that wasn't, you know, that wasn't, you know, the, the ref, you, there, there's, it's too gray. And the problem is there go, are... I was going to go down two paths here. Sorry, I was going to go down two paths here. Number one, if you want to bring the Belichick rule into effect, that wouldn't have mattered because this happened in the last two minutes where challenges are not allowed anyway. Correct? This happened in the last mm-hmm. two minutes? Yeah. Okay, so, that, so, that's imma, so that's immaterial. So now you're going to have a challenge. Basically, you're going to have the booth call challenges on every play. Every play is going to have to be reviewed because, to your point, there is a lot of subjectivity that goes on in – Football, just in general, if you want to have it the same way you do a turnover, I can go with that. So if you want to say the Chris Jones one, I can go with because then there is a penalty. Can review what is called. And what will happen, in my opinion, is the same thing that happens with turnovers. The ref is more likely to call it a turnover than not call it a turnover because you have the replay backing you up. And I think that that's been proven, that, that more turnovers rather than less have been called since the replay has gone on. So if they had called a penalty on that play, the Tommy Lee Lewis, wow, you got Tommy Lee Jones in my head. It's killing me. The Tommy Lee Lewis play, then they could replay, then, then if this happened outside the two-minute mark, Tommy, uh, Tom, again, Sean Payton, Sean Payton could have thrown the flag, said, you know what, that wasn't, a, that wasn't a penalty. I want a challenge. Fine. No problem. I think that makes it less subjective. I think that, that could solve the problem. But solving a no call, that solves the Chris Jones problem. That does not solve the Tommy Lee, Jones pro- Tommy Lee Lewis problem. As you said, it is a... It is a- Brutal situation. It's not a brutal. It's a brutal outcome because rarely, yes, penalties play a huge impact. And New Orleans could have taken control earlier, but how often does one play unequivocally change? If that play is called correctly, there is a ninety-nine percent chance New Orleans wins this, wins this game because New Orleans will run the clock out and we'll have a 25-yard field goal to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, typically play in momentum stops. This, this isn't a momentum stop. This is this changed, completely changed the game. New Orleans was going to win this game. And for anyone who didn't really have a horse in the race, like I enjoy watching the Saints, I enjoy watching the Rams, it's a just it's, it's a really disappointing way to end really entertaining game. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. I think most people were rooting for Drew Brees to get into the into the Super Bowl again. Would have liked to have seen that. Um, yep. I, I I I think if you took a poll, you would probably get that 
that majority there. But at the same time, you want the game to be called. You want, you want to be able to watch the game. And I think this is where the NFL has tried to do this. You want to – because remember, there used to not be replay at all, right? Right. No replay. Whatever happens, happens on the field. And sh- slowly, the NFL has done more replay, done different replay, gotten more cameras. Look, they've gotten better. Nobody can begrudge the NFL for slacking on this. I think they've done everything they can except pay Dean Blandino. But – or Mike Ferrer, 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 But at the same time, I don't think that solves, like we just said, I don't think that solves the problem from yesterday as to a non-call. To the, so all, all in all, though, I tweeted out in the first quarter, the Saints lost this game on their own. That's not to say that the refs didn't take it away in the fourth quarter, but in the first quarter... The Saints had the ability to put this game away, and they just didn't do it. You, you score a field goal on the first drive, and then you get an interception on the 30-yard line. And you, you settle for another field goal. You, you can't be doing that. You can't wake the sleeping giant, which is the L.A. Rams. And, or C.J. Anderson, who I'm not sure how he characterizes as a giant. But in the playoffs, he sure, sure as hell has been. That man has come off the scrap heat. He's done the best Timmy Smith impersonation I've ever seen. And here I thought I'd get a laugh out of you. Come on. Why didn't who, who Smith? Your worst who impression? Timmy Smith. Was Timmy Smith that heavy? No, I meant that he's come off the scrap heap. Timmy Smith was a, was a fourth string running back. For, right, for I, the, I know who Timmy Smith. But the problem, I, I I know who Timmy Smith is, but the problem is, um, he played. C.J. Anderson had a thousand yard season. He played for Correct. a couple of teams. Timmy Smith never played another game. No, that's not true. He played another game. He never had that any game of. He never had another game of significance. That's probably true. That's probably true. So, okay, so let's move on from from the game that was pretty much taken away from the Saints to the game that was pretty much taken away from the Chiefs. But at the end of the day, you look at the Rams game and you see it as a takeaway from the NFL, and you look at the Chiefs game and you just praise Tom Brady. And look, uh, you and I were conversing throughout the entire game, especially the fourth quarter, and we knew what was coming. This is no longer a surprise to anybody, is it, that he continues to do this? No, but what I found interesting was actually your comment was, and I didn't see anyone else say this, did Kansas City allow them to score with 40 seconds to go? And it's an interesting question because with Mo, they, they were going to score. There was no question about that. But were they, get, were they going to, with 40 seconds to go? Mahomes has such a great arm. They have such offensive firepower. 
could you really let a team score a touchdown with a minute with 40 seconds to go? All right, no, I don't so think anyone asked no, I don't think anybody asked him that, nor do I think Andy Reid would have said, yes, we did, or no, we didn't. But the point is that, to me, going watching that fourth quarter was that defense was completely gassed. They had another timeout, and they chose not to take it. And that was the key to me, was if they were looking to make a stand, at, it was first and four, uh, sorry, first and goal for the four. If they were looking to legitimately take a defensive stand when it came down to it, they would have taken a timeout. They would have rested the defense. Even, I, I don't know, it was Tony Romo. Yeah, even Tony Romo was saying that defense looked gassed. That defense has nothing left. That defense has been on the field for seven minutes. Absolutely true. So to me, it was you let them score because they're going to score anyway. One way or another, they got four downs, 30, 46 seconds, and three timeouts. So clock wasn't a problem. Yardage wasn't a problem. The only thing that was a problem would be that they had four shots to do it. And if they took all four shots to do it, uh, Kansas City would have had no time left. That would have been the end of the game right then and there. I don't think there was a choice if you were Kansas City, than to let them score and play the game. And, look, Mahomes had a shot in the end zone, right? I mean, he actually threw one in the end zone. So it's not as if Kansas City didn't get their butts back up, back up and, and, and go through it. Now, let's go to the secondary question here. Do you change the, t- the overtime rules again? Because this was the whole problem at the first point, right, was that – both teams do not get a shot with the ball. I, I, I don't believe that the overtime rules should be changed. I think that they are fine the way that they are. You score a touchdown, you've done your duty. Because the, goal, because the real fear was you would get to the 35-yard line and be able to kick a field goal and the game was over. Here you actually have to put it in the end zone. I don't have a problem with the overtime rules the way that they are. Now, not having Pat Mahomes have the chance to get the ball yesterday was kind of discouraging. So, in your opinion, do the overtime rules need to be changed again? Probably not. Um, The reality is, if if this has gone in the other direction, where Kansas City had won the toss and 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 got the ball and won, we probably wouldn't be having this discussion. The reality is the college game is more fun to watch in that regard. But it's a college game versus a pro game. Oh, I don't think you ever see the college I don't think you'll ever see the college game from the twenty five yard line each time Oh no, you would have to start at like midfield. The college is more fun. I don't think there's much question about that. Um for for overtime purposes. But, and look, I love the idea that you're in the Super Bowl and it's overtime. New England scores, the Rams score, and have a ch- and Sean McVay has a chance to go for two to win the super, to win or miss or lose the Super Bowl. I'll be honest, I think that sounds kind of neat to me. But okay. from a practical point, is that going to happen? Probably not. 
And just because a team that most of America, or let's be honest, all of America, didn't want to win, won, that's not a reason to change. No, you, you, you got me. I mean, I, no, I completely agree. Look, nobody was, I won't say nobody. Uh, I would say the majority of the world was not as disappointed in this as I was because everybody that listens to this program knows I am not the biggest Patriots supporter whatsoever. I think that may be an understatement. Um, you think? Only imagine watching those games, and Seth, you and I talked about this yesterday, I can only imagine watching these games as a Jets fan if, if, I, if the Jets were in the place of either the Saints or the Chiefs yesterday. I, I, I don't think I could be I, – I think I would be inconsolable. I really do. I think that it, it, it would take a lot. It would take a lot of tequila to get me down because – now, to be fair, you look at Kansas City and you say, okay – Yes, they they lost in the AFC Championship game. You question Andy Reid again and whether he can do it. And then you say, okay, I got my quarterback for the next 15 years. Because I do. And then you and with reports that next year they're looking, uh, Kansas City and him have already started talking about a $200 million contract. Well, all right, you know the man's going to get paid. And then you go to the other side of the ball and you got Drew Brees and look, Drew Brees has already won a Super Bowl. Number one. Number two is this team consistently gets to the playoffs and not only to the playoffs, but somewhat closer to the championship than the Jets have ever have seen in a while. And you say, all right, poor them, but they have a Lombardi trophy in the last 20 years. And I don't have one of those. So, but I would be beside myself. Seth, I don't think I would have been I, I If this happened to me yesterday as a Jets fan, I'm not sure I would have been able to host the show today. Uh, I, would, I would really need to figure out where to go. <laughs> it, it, it would be very difficult. So, uh, well, so luckily you don't have to worry to, about the next couple of years. Oh, uh, you never know. Look, $90 million and Sam Darnold and Adam Gase, you never know. Um. But for now, you're absolutely right. So, so let's move on. Again, congratulations to those Patsy, Pat <laughs> fans. Excuse me. Pat fans. And, uh, and to the Rams fans. And it, it, it's always interesting seeing Boston and L.A. in a showdown because I've already seen the Beat L.A. memes. And, but there will be two weeks to talk about this game. We will spend the majority of next week talking about the game, at least previewing it. And then the next week we'll talk about recapping it. So we don't need to speak too much on that. We have two other subjects to come to play. The next one being the baseball hall of fame. Now Seth, you should check out ESPN.com today because such a surprise, such a surprise to me. Now Seth and I both read a lot on ESPN. We also read a lot on the athletic and we've, both of us, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, believe that the writing on The Athletic is generally better writing, but not as up-to-date. It's, it's more, it's more uh, in-depth, if you will. Yes. But it just takes longer to do. Okay. 
But the special content that takes place on ESPN, the Bill Barnwells, and today, I'm not sure who wrote this. I have to go look this up. But I saw it today. It is perfect for you. It is ranking every current Hall of Famer by tiers. So it's oh by Branford, do- Branford Doolittle, who, who does great stuff. I've read, I've read a lot of his stuff. But it is like if you want the Hall of Elite set, they have 14 players in their Elite Hall of Fame. And you could, Brand- you could just say, okay, that's the Hall of Fame. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I got 14 players. Or if you want to go to there the second tier, but, yeah, you go to the second tier, it's got 33 players. And you could cut it off at Johnny Bench. This was oh like my. an article made for Seth Kamen. Oh, my. Made for Seth Kamen. Yeah, you're going to spend a good amount of time reading this. And I think you would, lo- you would love this for every Hall of Fame. I would. I think this – you would. The problem I don't is know, with I, other sp- – I don't have to agree with the findings, but the idea is fantastic. Right. And I think in other sports, it's harder to do, especially football. Football's, I think, next to impossible to do it in tiers because there aren't the – well, baseball's always been a statistical sport, right? Everything's based on the stats. Everything's based on the individual player, not necessarily the team, where in football, the team game counts, to me, a lot more than it would in baseball. In baseball, Ernie Banks still gets Ernie Banks' points of 500 home runs as a shortstop, even if he doesn't make a Super Bowl. (laughs) And he's still probably one of the top two quarterbacks of all time. If Dan Marino had won a Super Bowl, Dan Marino would be in the discussion as one of the top three quarterbacks of all time, in my opinion. Probably. Actually, that's the, Carly, that's I, the only I, thing. I, Carly's question today were, was actually who would be your top five? Quarterback? Quarterbacks of all time. Because she's all right, so before she asked, we get to like, Sorry. Just kind of jumping oh, off. Oh, so she off. asked you this question. She asked you this question. So who are the top five? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> excuse me. I, I think I went. Well, we Brady. can come back to this next week. Let's come yeah, back. Let's come to back this next this. week because, okay. So we're gonna. So if you are interested in this type of statistical analysis, which I obviously am, and will read this on the plane tomorrow, where I have a two-hour flight, and this might take me forty-five minutes to an hour to comb through. But I suggest reading it. Uh, Branford Doolittle on ESPN. It's actually on the front page. And obviously oh, that's is, a pre... I don't personally okay. agree with This is great. Yeah. I, just, I, okay. don't so with, let's I don't agree with a lot of it, but it's great. That's okay. So let's go yeah. through who's on the, the lineup for tomorrow. Okay? So again, right. we're going to go through the same way. You tell me A... If, if they deserve it, and B, whether they will be. And remember, you're limited to 10. So A, if they deserve it, and B, they will be. Okay? So okay. I think we can knock out Rick Ankeel, Ted Lilly, John Garland, Darren Oliver, Kevin Euclid, Travis Hafner, Freddie Garcia, Placido Polanco, Jason Bay, Derek Lowe, Vernon Wells, Ray Oswalt, who had a good career but still not there, and Juan Pierre. 
We can knock out wait, all those guys. Yes. Wait a second. Okay. Wait a minute. Yeah. As, as a as a as a Mets fan, you want to knock out Jason Bay? Are you sure? Yes. Yes. The only one I have any question about is Juan Pierre, because I love Juan Pierre <laughs> as, as 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 a fantasy baseball player. He always led the league in, in hits and in and in steals. Okay. Okay. So let's go to Lance Berkman. I think Lance Berkman is is a great discussion to have. A top hitter, not he's never going to make your elite of elite. He's never going to be in that top tier. There's, I mean, there are only 14 guys in that top tier. But I think he should deserve more discussion than he's getting. He's in that, like, Larry Walker Kennedy type deal, but not going to get there. Okay, and we have a lot more to go, so so let's keep going. Uh, okay, I, Scott I, Rowland? For the record, Lance Berkman was not Larry Walker. He wasn't okay. fielded Larry Rowland? Walker. Well, Scott Rowland's a different story. Um, Scott Rowland is one of those players that it's, it seems every year he is the name now. that gets He's like the Ron Santo. Yep. He played for a lousy, for the most part, for a lousy team. Played, didn't play an enormous period of time for considering for Hall of Fame purposes. There's no overwhelming statistic that he had that I can think of. He's a very, very good player. Okay. I would not. Well, be- one, I think a lot of he, I think he did win a lot of uh, what do you call it? He won Rookie of the Year. I think he probably had, probably had a bunch of All Star games. I think he's got a bunch of Golden Gloves, but I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I think he's he's Hall of very okay. very good. Okay, so we got twenty more guys to go through in about ten minutes. So let me okay. ask you very quickly. Let me ask you very quickly. Would you vote for any of the steroid guys? Let's just put them all in one bucket. Probably at this point I would. Okay, so we can go through them then. Okay, so you're going to put Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame. Yes? Yes, I'd put Bonds and Clemens in the Hall of Fame. Okay, because I'm putting, I'm making, uh, I'm making notes here. So Seth puts Clemens and Bonds. Okay, I do not. I do not. I believe they probably. Sh- okay, now do you believe that they will be? No. Okay. Okay, I would not put them. I, I'm an, a total anti-steroid guy. Um, until I get some further clarification from the hall. Okay, Manny Ramirez, I don't believe will be. Nor should be. Now, Manny, it's funny though. If you're putting in, if you're putting in these guys, Manny was a phenomenal player. His yes. stats are probably worthy of it. Yes. But there is a strange hypocrisy that goes with this. That if I'm willing to vote for Bonds and Clemens, that I'm not willing to vote for Ramirez. I have I don't to think there's hypocrisy. I don't think there's hypocrisy. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Here, here's how you might oh, want to reconcile it yourself. And Ramirez, probably not. Bonds and the difference no. is Bonds and Clemens were Hall of Famers without it. I'm not sure Ramirez was. 
No, that's not how I would reconcile it. How I would reconcile it is that Bonds and, and Clemens never failed a drug test. And Ramirez failed too. Yes, he did. So uh, you, if you eventually can get me over the Bonds and Clemens threshold, which may very well happen, it just isn't yet, you will never get me on Manny's side. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. Okay. Sammy Sosa, I don't believe, belongs in the Hall of Fame. Nope. Steroids or not. Okay. Nope. Todd Home Helton. Or not. Todd, Todd Helton. No. Um, I, love, although, I love Todd Helton. I know he's getting more and more. He started. There's a lot of the, stat, the stats guys are really starting to get behind him. Um. I don't – very good player, you know, probably a bit embellished by being in Colorado. But at a certain point, I think I, – I don't think he was as good a player as Larry Walker was, to be honest. And I wouldn't put him – I wouldn't put him in the hall. Okay. Schilling and Mussina. Because I think they go in together. And I would actually vote for both of them. Yeah, so would I. Okay. Hold on. Okay, and I have uh, Helton in there, which get look without voting for Clemens or Bonds gives me two more spots, which is great. great. Um, okay, Gary Sheffield, who I believe deserves to be in the Hall of Fame if you are going to put Clemens and Bonds in there, a hundred percent. He never failed a drug test either, as far as I know. Agreed. Um, I I think a horrible defensive player, phenomenal offensive player. Uh, yeah, I'll put him in. Should somebody – so if Gary Sheffield played – because we're going to get down to Edgar Martinez, right? And I think both of us are putting Edgar Martinez in the Hall of Fame, yes? Yes. Okay. So should somebody get penalized because they at least played the played the field? Because you're giving if you're giving Edgar in and he didn't play the field, yeah, I think he played the field maybe 200 games. And now you're going to say, okay, well, if Sheffield didn't bother playing the field, obviously his WAR and his the rest of his stats would be that much better, wouldn't they? Based on Edgar Martinez. Sure. Okay. Uh, Roy Halladay, I have in. I believe he is a Hall of Famer. I think his, uh, his death will make it, I think, easier for people to vote for him. I think he goes right in the shilling category with just as many wins, just, just what he did even in the postseason, showing how to better postseason. Halladay gets in this year on the first ballot unfortunately, because he passed away. Yeah, I mean, you know my feelings on these things, that you should be, to get into a Hall of Fame, hence why we discussed the tiers, you should be the best at a position for a period of time, or at least in the discussion. Yes. Roy Halladay yes. was in the discussion as the best starting pitcher, ironically, along with a pitcher who's probably not going to make it, in Johan Santana, and that 2006, yes. 7, 8 kind of, Era, Halliday was the best pitcher in baseball. So Agreed. I have no. I so have right, to put him in. 
Okay, so right now, once we uh, include Mariana Rivera, who both of us will have in there, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You have two more slots. Larry Walker. Really, it comes down to Larry Walker, Romar Viscal for me. And I'll be honest, I think Larry Walker was a better player. Omar, who was around forever, was a great player. Larry Walker was a really, really good player. And I have less of an issue. He was at Montreal. I just want to look up his stats quickly overall. Um, but let's see, rookie. Two MVP. Oh, no, he didn't win MVP. One, one MVP. He didn't win five all. He won um, a batting title. He did win a batting title. Career career numbers, hitting, hit 313. He was looking at almost 400 home runs. But he was also, again, he for a four- or five-year span, he was one of the two or three best players in baseball. Omar Vizquel was never Ever. even near. So I'll go with I'll go with Larry Walker. Okay. Andy Pettit. No. Okay. Uh I'm not putting in Miguel Tejada. How about Jeff Kent? Nope. Fred McGriff. Excuse me? In his final year. Fred McGriff in his final year. That's my tenth. Because Fred McGriff well, was the best, was the best, the second best home run hitter from a non, without question, a no steroid, non PED of his era. Um, okay, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, just to mark down who we have, and then we're going to switch over to college basketball because we only have 20 minutes to go. And well, for college basketball, if you'd like to call in seven six zero two eight three zero eight four six. Basically, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pepper Seth with questions because he's the expert. I'm not. Just easier that way. Uh, top 10, so the 10 that Seth would vote for this year are Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, Kurt Schilling, Mike Messina, Sheffield, Gary Sheffield, Edgar Martinez, Mariano Rivera, Roy Halladay, Larry Walker, and Fred McGriff. For myself, I have Todd Helton, Kurt Schilling, Mike Mussina, Roy Halliday, Mariano Rivera, Larry Walker, Edgar Martinez, and Fred McGriff. And believe it or not, I have less than 10. And 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. And I'm okay with that. I don't, I, I, the minute that I said I was not voting for the steroid guys, I basically limited myself to less than 10. Because I don't believe that there were 10 other players that legitimately should have been in that. Okay, so Seth, how many of those do you think will get in out of your out of your threshold of ten? Probably two or three. Rivera is Mariano's a yes. Yep. Rivera and Rivera gets in, Martinez gets in. I think Roy Halliday's a fifty fifty. And I think Mussina's a fifty fifty. Okay, I think both. Uh, okay, I think Messina definitely gets in. Um, I think Halliday gets in. I think you have four in this year. 
And I think Kirk Schilling, if he had just shut his mouth, would already be in the Hall of Fame. Unfortunately, he's getting lambasted for just stuff that really doesn't matter as far as the Baseball Hall of Fame is concerned. But that's just the way it works. You're getting voted by baseball baseball writers. And if you basically say that writers should should not be writing and should be dying, then you have a problem. Okay, so moving on to college basketball, Syracuse beats Duke last week. I'm a very happy camper. Probably the best win of the year for any team. For any team. When it comes to bubble wins, this will be, this will be a great win. And more so, I did predict it on the show, not to toot my own horn or anything. Seth. You did. And I had the fun of calling you five minutes game when they were down 11 nothing. Um, you did. But, you did. You but, know, half the time that make a run because they always do. They will. Okay, what's happening in the Big 12? So Kansas has taken a couple of losses. Is this the year that Kansas goes down? It's starting to look like it. Um, it's been an interesting start to the season. But, you know, Azebuke has been injured. Um, Dotson has been very good. Lost, but they don't have that. They don't have that. That go. No, I don't want to say go to because they kind of do. Um, with the with Lawson, the Lawson brothers, but they don't have that leader that they've had in prior years, and it seems to be taking a toll. Um, there's a four-way tie for first. I actually didn't even know Texas Tech had lost another game um, between Kansas, Iowa State, who's beaten them, Kansas State, who went to the Big t- Final Eight last year, and Texas Tech. Um, I kind of like Texas Tech. Uh, Kansas, as I said, this is not, again, it's relatively speaking, but it is not a strong, very strong team. Silvio D'Souza is still not playing for them. You know, they struggled to beat Texas. They've struggled. They've struggled. And without Azubuke and without D'Souza, from a size standpoint, you've got some problems. And the, team, the solid defensive team like Texas Tech, who's probably the best defensive team in the country outside of Virginia, I kind of like their I like their chances this year. Well, let's talk about Virginia. So Virginia goes to play Duke after Duke loses to Syracuse. Uh, they played them uh, Saturday night and lost. Uh, I believe that was in Duke. Uh, does Virginia does Virginia have a shot? Not a shot. Who's considered the favorite in the ACC right now? Virginia. Um, Even with the loss. Yeah, there's seven. Everybody's got a loss. You know, Duke. I mean, really, what are we talking? We're talking Virginia and Duke. And Duke just doesn't have the depth that Virginia does. And at some point, and Duke doesn't have the veteran leadership that Virginia does. You got Duke has four freshmen, and they're sensational. Uh, I mean, everyone forgets last year, DeAndre Hunter, it was was uh, I was I believe was injured for the UMBC game. You look at that team; it's a lot of senior, a lot of upperclassmen. You know, Kyle Guy is a junior. DeAndre Hunter is a sophomore. Braxton Key is a senior. 
you know, these are their key players. Um, you go to you go to Duke, and you know Williamson is amazing, and Reddish is amazing, and Barrett is really really good, and Tyus Jones is a great defender, and they really don't have a hell of a lot else. Um, they should have lost at Florida State. Look, Duke's going to go 28-4, and 27-5, and will be a one seed or a two seed. But I think Virginia, and they're, they're a team based on their athleticism that is, you know, that can beat anyone. Virginia has to play according to the Tony Bennett scheme, which sometimes renders them a bit ineffective, hence what happened last week or last year. But Virginia, I still think, I still like Virginia more than anything else at this point. For the ACC. Okay, let's move. Okay, so let's move on to your Big Ten with Maryland, Ohio State, and Michigan. Michigan losing to Wisconsin, which going into the game looked like a trap game for Michigan. Uh, Wisconsin always plays them tough. This was basically Wisconsin's game. They needed to win this game to stay in the hunt. They did that. Michigan came, did not play well. They did not have the right uh, mix going into Madison. Is, is it still Michigan or is it Michigan State's league at this point? Or I think it's Michigan. I think it's Michigan's, and I hate to jump on the bandwagon here because you're kind of afraid to, but most of Maryland's tougher games are now behind them. Um. Or I should say, they go. You know, they, they're playing at Michigan State tonight. With the winner going, the winner, um, gonna be, the winner is going to be leading uh, the outright lead in in the Big Ten. They win at OSU. They win against Wisconsin. They win against Indiana. You know, they beat Nebraska. At, I think it was at Nebraska. So the next couple of games are at they're home against Illinois and home against Northwestern. So even if they lose that game, they're nine and two. You know, mm-hmm. they do have the two left at Michigan, but and they have a game in Iowa. But Maryland should – looks like they're going to be 11- or 12-win team in this league this year. Um, and I really kind of like how they're set up going forward because they can play – they, they have two huge, They have two very good big men. They're very fast. They are athletic. They can play They can play power ball. I think they're third in the, league, in the country in, in, in rebounding. Um, Cowan is mellow tremble for the most part. So I like our chances. Michigan – I mean, at the end of the day, I still like. I said I, I like Michigan. I think it's hard not to. Um, as you said, that was a tra- that was inevitably going to be a trap game. And it, you're going to have Michigan and Michigan State somewhere around 14 and four. Um, but I don't know. I like. I really like our team. I really do. And there's no great. You know, Charles Matthews is really good. To get in Michigan State's got Cassius Winston. I'd probably go with Michigan State because they have Nick Ward and Kenny Goins. They probably are more talented than Michigan. But I honestly okay. won't be if we win if we make a serious run at this. I like our team. Okay. So who is the surprise from this year? Who is the team that's going to that you see right now being January what are we, January twenty first? January twenty first. That is generally in the middle of the pack but can make a run. And will make will make a run in your opinion. In in what I don't mean mid I don't mean mid I don't mean mid majors. I mean 
it could be any team. Like, it could be a Texas Tech where we generally don't think of them as a one seed or a two seed. We see them as a seven or an eight. But gotcha. what is the team that, we, that we're looking at and we're saying, okay, you know what? This team has it. This team can make a run and make a legitimate run and maybe take home the championship. Am I allowed to say my team? Or is that kind of no. too biased? You've already talked about your team tonight. No, oh. you're done. Talk about somebody else. I'm done. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you love for a team that you mentioned in our preseason. Although I don't think you knew Diddley squat about them. I can see Marquette making a serious run. Marquette. I Howard, did know something about Marquette. That's not fair. Okay. Anyway, continue on. But I definitely you know, knew something about Marquette. Marcus Howard. And you know they're coached by. That's Wojo. all I need to know. That's all I need to know. Okay. Anyway, so you think it's Marquette? Okay. They're well coached. They they can score. They can shoot threes. They're very very good. Okay. So we're January twenty first, and who are your top four seeds for the tournament right now? Who are the four best teams in the country, or who are gonna, who am I think are going to be the four number one seeds come March? Well, let's go with both. Okay, the four one seeds come March. I think you're looking at Virginia, Kentucky. No, not Kentucky, excuse me, Duke. I think you'll get two out of the ACC. I think you're going to be looking at Michigan State. And I think you'll be looking at, at, at Tennessee. Okay. Now, who are the four right now? Who are playing like the best four teams in the country? Michigan State. There's no one in the Big Ten. I mean, excuse me, there's no one in the Big Twelve. Duke. So I don't have any love for the number one team in the nation. Tennessee and Gonzaga. Okay, so tell, so talk to me a little bit. We we talked very briefly during our our preseason show about Tennessee. We we did speak a little bit about them. We did articulate that we thought that they had some talent, but I don't think either one of us picked them to be number one in the nation at any point this year. Tell us a little bit about them. Tell tell our fans, look, they're number one. I don't. I think the last time Tennessee was number one must have been Bernard King, right? I mean, it's been a while. So, Prob- what are, what am I missing? You're missing that they have the as good, just about a good as good a two man team in uh, Player of the Year for the SEC Player of the Year last year. Uh, it was Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield. Or if maybe Schofield was the, third, was the player of the year and Grant Williams wasn't. Both average about 18 and 6 a game. Both can shoot the three ball. They have a nice supporting cast led by Jordan Bone. They're well coached behind Rick Barnes. You know, it's funny seeing how Texas wanted to get rid of him so badly to bring in Shaka Smart. Well, I'm not sure how that played out. Um, but... Kyle Alexander's a nice play. They just have a nice team around them. Um, 
you know, do they have the depth? They they go five five players with or six five players with ten six and nine point nine. Don't know if they have the depth come tournament time. And the SEC is better than it has been in years between with Kentucky, Alabama, LSU, and the two Mississippis. Extraordinarily well now, but the conference usually may tire them out. Like we used to talk about, it did in, it did in other differences in other years. The SEC this year. Okay, so you mentioned your four number one seeds come tournament time. Which one of those four seeds is getting knocked out first? Which is a regular season team, but maybe not a tournament team? Because we talk about this all the time. Like you said, there are teams that get killed in their conference tournaments. There are teams that are like, I I would like to put, put Nevada in there. Teams that are very, very good during the regular season and just don't have the wherewithal during the, during the post. So which of those, which of those four seeds, four first seeds you see getting knocked out first? Is it a Duke? Who does not ha- who does not have depth, and as you said, has very has a lot of talent with their first three guys. But beyond that, not so much. The team I can't make heads or tails out of that could win a title or get knocked out in the last two rounds. The first round is Michigan State. Um, they have a great point guard in Cassius Winston. They're very big and strong with Goins and Moore. Are very, you know, all these guys are juniors or seniors, so they're veteran-laden. He is Josh Lang. Because he is the swing man that can put up the 20 to 25 in a given game, but he can also disappear real quick. Yeah. And if Langford, I mean, Langford's averaging about 15 a game right now. If he's playing well, that team can win a title. If he's not, that team can be knocked out by anybody. Okay. I see Michigan in the same boat, quite frankly, and I think that was one of the problems with the Wisconsin game, is that they've got three real three guys, and I'm sorry, I, I, am, I am being lost on their names as I am going through the tundra that is New York City right now. But the fact is, if, the, if those guys, especially the one guy that scored zero points against Wisconsin, go cold, this team really is, is – Prime for a first or a second round upset, in my opinion. And obviously, we have a long time till tournament time, a whole month of February and half of March. And we'll talk more about that as, as the games go on. But it, it just seems like Michigan, to me, is not as good as their rep. So we have about five, five and a half to go. I'm going to go first and I'm going to drop off and, and let Seth conclude. But number one, congratulations to my New York Islanders who are in first place when nobody thought they would be, including this guy. No question, I did not think that they had the horses. I thought that they might squeak into the playoffs. First place in January by three, by, I think it's now three points with everybody, everything accounted for. They've won 12 out of their last 15. And the best part is they're better than Toronto right now. So... It's not even a Rangers thing anymore for Islander fans. It's more, can we, can we be better than Tavares? So, good on them. Uh, the second thing is, and the final thing is, today is Martin Luther King, is the uh, 
celebration of Martin Luther King and his birthday. And for those that are listening, um, enjoy your day off. Really do. Enjoy your federal holiday if you have it. If you don't, I'm sorry. But at the same time, think about what today means. Think about how times have changed for the better and how they still can change for the better in this country. There's a lot going on in this world right now that is rather disgusting to me. And it was at the time of Dr. King. He did not invoke violence. He invoked peaceful methods of handling things. And if we can take a, if we can take a page out of Dr. King and invoke peace throughout the rest of the world, this world would be a much better place. Okay, I will see you guys next week. Seth, take it home. Okay, props to Manny Pacquiao, uh, 40 years old. Not going to say looking as good as he ever did, but he looked very good Saturday night beating Adrian Broner pretty easily. Manny, uh, Floyd Mayweather shows up to fight, bringing up, bringing up thoughts that we could have Mayweather Pacquiao too. I don't think anyone is quite that excited about it, and it's a very sad reflection on the sport, although the sport is still is doing relatively well right now that the biggest fight available in boxing is between a guy who hasn't fought in a year and a half and someone who's 41 years old. The US, also, the ESPN spent $1.5 billion on the UFC. And they had their first card last night, or Saturday night. All the electronics were great, and this and that, and the pregame and all this. Number one, I don't need to hear Stephen A. Smith talking about UFC. I don't need him to hear him talk about most things, but I certainly don't need to hear him talk about UFC. So your your co-main event is Greg Hardy, who was kicked out of the NFL for being for domestic violence. He's in his third pro fight. For some reason, he was second on a on a card because to. To non-NFL non-NFL fans don't care about him. To non-NFL fans, he's a non-entity. You're trying to build him up to be this stud, and at three, you're not ready for it. So what happens? A legal kick to the head, disqualification, knocks the air out of the uh, out of the what do you call it? Out of the arena. They have the what do you call it? The main event. Uh, 125 champ Sejudo beats T.J. Dillashaw. 135 champ in 30 seconds disputed. Now they're going to have to. Re- now they're going to probably have to have a rematch. Not exactly what ESPN was paying 1.5 billion for, although they did have 500,000 people. So I guess in that regard, a good start. But in regards to a card, eh, we'll see how it plays out. Next week we talk Super Bowl. Uh, Rams Patriots. God damn it. Anyway, for. Sean Palmer, who's going to meet a doctor. Let's wish him the best. Seth Cameron's talk to you guys next week. Stay warm. Bye.